Welcome to the Think Like a CFO podcast, where we dig into not only what it takes to start a business, but to keep your business thriving for years to come using my signature CFO money method framework. I'm your host, Melissa Houston, and I am a CPA and business financial coach. I have over 20 years of experience in business, and it is my passion to share my knowledge of business finance and personal finance with other women. You can also follow me with my column at Forbes.com or my column with Entrepreneur.com. Erica Keswin is a Wall Street Journal bestselling author, speaker, podcast host, and consultant who has helped top businesses, organizations, and individuals improve their performance at work by strengthening and honoring relationships and making impactful connections. Her newest book, Rituals Roadmap, How to Transform the Everyday Routines into Workplace Magic, examines the immense power that everyday rituals have to transform the ordinary job into a deeply gratifying sense of purpose. She's been recently interviewed on Good Morning America, Fast Company, Katie Couric's newsletter, and many more. Hi, Erica. Welcome to the Think Like a CFO podcast. Thanks so much. Great to see you. It's great to see you. And I'm super excited. You're here today to talk about your book, The Rituals Roadmap. I am. Thank you for having me. And I am super excited to hear about this book. And yeah, this book is certainly very timely in in what's going on in the world these days. It is. And, you know, interestingly, when you write a book, you write it years before it comes out. So when I was writing it, I hadn't heard of the word COVID-19. But one of the things I was able to do after I handed in the manuscript for the book back in March was that I was actually able to write a follow-on chapter about rituals during turbulent times and actually circle back and talk to a lot of the people in the book to ask them how the rituals have been helping them during these turbulent times. So I agree with you that rituals, they do ground us and give us a sense of safety, which we all really need right now. Yeah, for sure. It's really interesting that you wrote this pre-COVID. I mean, talk about timing. That's fantastic. So can you tell us a bit about the book and what might be considered a ritual for the listeners who may not be familiar with your work? Yeah, sure. So the way that I define ritual has a couple of component parts. The first is a ritual is something to which we assign a certain amount of intention or meaning. The second part is that a ritual is something that happens with with repetition. There's a regular cadence. It could be once a day, once a week, once a year. I just did something on MSNBC around the inauguration rituals that we know are once every four years. So there is a regular cadence. But the third part I thought was really interesting and something I hadn't thought of until I started studying the science of rituals. And that is that a ritual is something that goes beyond its practical purpose. So I'm sitting in my office right now and let's say the lights go out and I light a candle so I can see. That's not a ritual. But if I light a candle every day at five o'clock to signify the transition from the work day to my home life every day and there's meaning around it, that's a ritual, which for the record, we sort of need those transition rituals now because many of us are working and living in the same place. Yeah, for sure. That would definitely be a signal for sure. Now, I'm curious, what is the benefit of having a ritual? 
So in my work, I really try to focus, you know, coming from the human capital space where I've worked for 25 years, which many people will say, oh, that's the touchy feely world, you know, unlike the finance world where I know you specialize, you know, I've been coming up against that for many, many years. I always try to approach my work looking at not only the stories, but also the science, the data behind why this work does matter from a bottom line perspective. So I came up with an equation to kind of pull all of that together. And I call it the three P's of rituals. So rituals give us one, a sense of psychological safety and belonging. So psychological safety, the first P, plus they give us purpose, the second P, and you add those two together and you get the third P, which is a boost of performance. So what do I mean by that? When we have rituals as, as humans, our oxytocin, our feel-good hormone goes up, our cortisol, our stress goes down. And in the workplace, there's many studies, but one I can throw out there, which is when you work in an organization or on a team where there's a high level of trust, where you don't have to check sort of your real self at the door and you feel connected and rituals, one of the things rituals do is to connect us, you are 50% more productive and 47% more collaborative. So there, there are real bottom line implications here. Absolutely. I am curious to know, though, what is considered a ritual in the workplace? Yeah, so it's a great question because some people will say, I, I don't understand, you know, I think about my morning coffee or my night meditation. Like, what on earth are you talking about in terms of rituals at work? And the way that I got to this topic with a little bit of history is that I wrote a book called Bring Your Human to Work in 2018. And one of my big takeaways about a year after I wrote it and sort of really thinking through the feedback from the book and, and what people were taking away from it was that many of the leaders in the book were using rituals as a tool, one of the many tools that they were using to create a more human workplace, to design a more human workplace. And so I had this aha moment and I went back and I spoke to many of these leaders and interviewed new leaders. And I figured out a question that kind of brought it together to help them identify rituals at work. And the question was, for example, I said to a woman named Marisa Andrada, the head of HR at Chipotle, when do employees at Chipotle or at LinkedIn or Starbucks feel most Chipotle-ish? When do they feel most connected? And based on their answers, I was able to identify a real pattern of rituals at work. And I designed the book and I called it Rituals Roadmap because I designed the book around the employee experience. So for those listening, if they think about their own workplace, what are the rituals that you have at the beginning of the employee experience around onboarding and around recruiting, especially now in COVID, people are bringing new employees on board that they've never met. So it's never been more important to think about those rituals. How do you get new people that have never stepped foot in your company, even to interview, feel a sense of belonging and connection? So that's sort of the first stop on the roadmap. And then there are chapters and rituals around meetings, around eating together in person and online now, rituals around professional development and training, rituals around celebrating milestones. You know, how do you have that end of the year celebration and do it remotely, which many people had to do at the end of 2020. So that's how the book is structured. And then all the different companies are weaved into those different chapters. 
So then you must notice that people are really struggling these days with a lack, or maybe they're developing new rituals in place of the old ones. Would you have any comments on that? Yeah. So when we think about this sense of psychological safety, I strongly urge leaders to think about what are rituals that they had pre-pandemic that they could maintain. Maybe they need to retool them a little bit, but their ability to maintain those really is helpful. One example that I can give, just a few months after the pandemic, I spoke to a woman named Amy Woodall, who's the CEO of a really cool marketing agency based in Houston. And I circled back and I said, so how are things going? And one of their rituals that they used to have every Friday was champagne in the afternoon on Friday with the goal of coming together and celebrating their wins. They're big wins, but also they're small wins. They are a fast-paced company, booming, hiring, and they don't slow down to sort of stop and smell the roses and celebrate these wins. And they always did it in person, very big in-person culture. And she shared with me that their first Friday after everybody went home, they everybody went and got some champagne and they did their toast. And she got to see sort of up close and personal that sense of psychological safety and connection and belonging that, you know what, we know things are changed. We know things are scary. These are the beginning days of COVID when we were scrubbing down our groceries, like everything was up in the air, but there was this feeling of, you know what, we're going to be okay. We have each other. We are part of this team. We're part of this organization. We're part of this brand. And while it might look different right now, and we'd rather be in person, Right now, this is going to get us through. Now, I for sure, absolutely, from a finance perspective, see the connection of employee engagement and increased profits, because the more engaged your employee is, the more they're going to work. And ultimately, a disengaged employee ends up costing you money. So having said that, when you onboard a new employee, especially in this time, like right now, do you have any idea how companies are adapting and changing and trying to create inclusive environments when you're still so disconnected from your work environment? Yeah. So a couple of pieces to that question. I mean, onboarding specifically, you have to be so, so intentional. Even pre-COVID, I mean, onboarding starts, you know, the day that new employee gets that offer letter because they're beginning to make that first impression with your organization. But now in the midst of COVID, how can you make them feel connected? And one of the ways that I strongly believe that any of these rituals have a higher chance of succeeding and having that this level of stickiness is by integrating them with your company values. You know, I talk a lot, especially in my first book around how do you get the values off the walls and into the halls? You know, it sounds a little cheesy. Right now it's off into the Zoom. But if you want them to come to life, the best way to do that is to integrate them into rituals and, and into your onboarding and all of your business practices. And so making sure that the person has a buddy, making sure that, you know, it used to be that making sure they knew where to park in the parking lot. Now it's like, you don't want to be sitting there on your first day at home by yourself in your living room or your home office, not having any idea when to log in. So you need a buddy. Often it's better make it somebody that's not your manager. Make sure you have a plan for lunch that day. Make sure you understand all of the different employee resource groups and all of the different ways 
to be connected. And it needs to not just be the first day. Make sure someone's checking in at the end of the first week, at the end of the first month, even more than you did before. This is cheesy also, you'll have to pardon me, but you know, left to our own devices, it's not gonna happen. And so with all of this, we've gotta be planful, we've gotta be intentional, or I've seen it over and over again, it's, it's not gonna happen. Yeah, that's a really good point. And it's going to be unnerving for a person starting, you know, in a new organization during these times, I can't imagine being in that position. Do you feel that a lot of businesses are suffering because of a lack of rituals right now? So you know, what's really interesting? There have been a few, I think people are suffering right now. I think that the pandemic is impacting all of us in very different ways loneliness, isolation, depression, mental health. I mean, more companies now are straight out addressing mental health so and destigmatizing it and, and are really putting resources behind it, which I think was a long time coming anyway. So leaders that kind of get that are addressing it. They're leading by example. They're sharing some of their own struggles. But interestingly, a few CEOs have shared with me recently that through their poll, their surveys, their employee engagement surveys, that their engagement is higher than it's been before. And one of the reasons why they've said that is because they've had to be intentional because they know people aren't bumping into each other. And they, they, they have increased by hundreds of percentage points the amount of communication they're having. They've been more transparent. Their leaders, I mean, back to what we were talking about earlier, you know, with, you know, my feedback on, oh, this stuff is touchy-feely, the leaders finally get it. They're finally realizing that if they don't bring their human, if they don't figure out ways to connect with employees on a deeper level, their employees aren't going to be open and honest about what's going on with them. And then the work suffers. And so I hope that when we do start to go back to work, the leaders take this approach with them, because I think they're they're learning from it. That's really good, because I wish that this had been a larger topic when, you know, back the years ago, when I was in the workforce, where you're working for people who just didn't have an interest in you. And that in itself is a cost. But I think a lot of leaders didn't see it that way back then. So it's good to see that companies are, are developing healthier environments to be in. Now, you were telling me earlier, there was a story about a CFO and I guess convincing them that there was value in understanding the rituals in the workplace. Can you share a little bit about that? One of my favorite stories in the book, one of my favorite rituals, I loved it so much, I dedicated almost an entire chapter to this ritual. And the ritual, the company is LinkedIn, and the ritual is in-day. And 10 years ago, the CFO came up with an idea to have one day a month for people to invest in themselves. That's why it's called in-day. The in stands for invest. And in a funny way, it's almost like a day not to work, which is sort of the counterintuitive nature of, oh my gosh, the CFO, you know, the person in charge of the money and the bottom line is is recommending that we have a day for employees, you know, not to work. But yeah, <laughs> because he really got it. And so in day is there is a theme for each one. And one of the things about rituals, which he really understood is that you can't force feed a ritual. 
that you want it to be something that people are pulled to do versus pushed. So what I love about the in-day ritual is that people can experience it in whatever way makes sense for them and make it really personal. So for example, when I visited LinkedIn pre-pandemic, I visited on wellness, happened to be wellness in day. So they had a meditation in the morning, they had a whole health fair with all these vendors in the cafeteria, they had a dance class that I went to, all of these different things. But then I was in the cafeteria and I bumped into a woman that I happen to know who had just started working at LinkedIn and she was in her exercise clothes. And I said, you know, so how's it going? And she goes, well, this was my first in day. She jogged to the office, did a little bit of work, you know, so it's not that you can't do work, but people tend not to have meetings, formal meetings that day, but she experienced it in a way that worked for her. So she loves to run and never has time to run during the week. So she jogged all the way to the office, showed up at the office, no one cared that she was in her exercise clothes, checked out some of the sessions, did a little work and jogged home. And it was just a day to pause and to invest in yourself, whether you could take a class, you can bond with an employee and, and do it in any way, shape or form that you want. And they have pivoted and they're still doing it during this pandemic. And you know, it's a way to stay connected to the brand and why you show up at work every day and connect with your colleagues. And I think it's been a, a real lifesaver for many people, especially, you know, there during this pandemic. Yeah, that sounds like really innovative and a really great way to get employees engaged. And it sounds to me as you're explaining it, that companies are starting to understand that their employees are their biggest assets. Would you agree with that? Oh, yes, 100%. I mean, companies get it in, in different ways. But yeah, they are realizing now with this pandemic, I mean, I had been talking about this long before that as technology becomes a bigger part of our lives, in general, pieces of everybody's jobs are being taken by technology. And so what's left? It's the human piece. But more so now, with people at home that you're realizing that if you don't have those connections with your employees to share with you what's going on in their lives so that you can support them so they can actually get their work done for their clients, for their customers, your business really is going to take a hit. Yeah, absolutely agree. And, and turnover and attrition is super expensive. You know, quite often people don't put a price tag or like an idea of a cost to it because it seems so unquantifiable, but it really is. Like if you're constantly losing people through attrition and they're unhappy and they're not productive and stuff, you will see that on your bottom line. Yeah. And, and I also think this whole idea too, I just read an article recently about all the presenteeism, right? Meaning you come to work and you're sort of checking in and you have all this face time, but you're not productive. And I think having people now working at home, knowing like, I, I think there's gonna be a shift and we're gonna have to see what it looks like as we start to go back to the office. And my hope is that it's more, becomes more of a results oriented approach to work. Like why should we be sneaking out to go to a doctor's appointment or to a kid's game or to pick up our kids at school? And now we've proven that we can work from home. And, you know, it's funny, somebody said to me recently, can you imagine if we said, let's have an experiment, let's send all our employees home for 10 months and see what happens. <laughs> People 
like, are you kidding me? But now that we've done it, we can begin to go back in a way that, I don't know, just makes more sense for the business and for people and hopefully find a little bit of that, I hate the word balance, but find more of that integration. Absolutely. But would you say a lot of people are suffering though, because there's no hard line between work and home anymore and having those boundaries being taken away? I could see that becoming problematic. It's a, it is, it's a huge problem. It is a problem where I feel like rituals can help address that problem. So if, you, and more on the personal front, you know, when I gave the example, when you asked me what a ritual is, you know, sort of lighting that candle, somebody shared recently, many people actually are creating these fake or faux commutes because while we hated the traffic of our commute, it helped us transition psychologically and physically from work to home. So, you know, somebody shared recently, he goes into the kitchen and kind of washes his hands, you know, which is good for COVID, but also like, let me get rid of the work day and now I'm home or going for a walk or listening to your podcast, something that really can help you get out of the mental workspace and into the home space. And I also think, you know, we need to push back and help to create some of these boundaries at work with leaders and leaders need to be more understanding because, you know, these kids are home, like it's just different. And I think if you can create an, an environment with this, that's why the bottom line gets impacted because if you don't have that trust to be able to say to your manager, you know what, today is insanity in my house. We had a snow day last week, my kids are home. I might be on, but might not have my face on. It really begins to impact the business. And the workday is just going like this. The other thing I'd say about the financial impact and where you the question you asked earlier about the inclusive nature of rituals that we need to watch out for is many companies have rituals around happy hours, around drinking. And this was pre-COVID, but now many rituals kind of start after work. And First of all, you that's not inclusive because, first of all, not everybody drinks. So you don't always want happy hours. And a lot of people were doing virtual mixologists. You know, make sure you have a mocktail if you're going to do that. But I also think that if you want to have rituals around bonding and connection, do them in the middle of the day. Show that you value it because now that the workday is going like this, that the kids used to have, I mean, my kids, I have three teenagers. They used to come home at seven o'clock because they had sports. Now, like literally they are, it's 3.30. They are literally downstairs right now in my house. So uh, doing these rituals after work isn't great anymore. And so we need to rethink them if we want some of the benefits because it's going to feel like a chore. It's not going to feel like a way to connect and bond with our employees. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that, especially trying to maintain the boundaries as well. You know, like quitting time is quitting time. Well, there's always flexibility and everybody knows that, especially with technology. These phones aren't new. They're whatever, iPhone's 12 years old now. So we're kind of used to it, but it is different right now. It's exacerbated. It feels different because the kids, like I just heard my son, I hear the dog barking. My son just came up, school's over. Yeah, it's stressful on the parents. You know, not only are they dealing with the adjustment of working from home, but you bring up a really valid point. It's the adjustment to everything, having kids at home, having to homeschool, or, you know, helping with additional homework, whatever the case may be, you know, we're all trying to do our best, I think is really what I'm trying to say. So 
This has been an excellent conversation. If there was one thing that you really wanted listeners to take away from this talk today, what do you think that would be? If I had to pick one thing, I would say, you know, as you're juggling and trying to work and live and be in this pandemic and trying to fit and figure out where rituals fit in, I would say to ask yourself this question, which is, does your calendar reflect your values and the values of your organization? And to sort of stop and look at how you've been spending your time with whom you've been spending it and use that as a way to kind of rejigger your schedule, your time, your rituals. What do you need? And maybe it is that you need to that transition between work and home in a more intentional way. Maybe it is that your team is feeling disconnected and maybe you want to do something fun in the middle of the day and not at night. But I would start with really looking at your calendar and and how that measures up against your values and your and your company values. Mm, I love that. That's a really good point. Especially just being in touch with your values. I really love that. A lot of people just tend to put that aside because it's so busy and it's so this and, you know, whatever the reasons, but being in touch with them definitely helps people to be happier and more connected with themselves. So I really appreciate that comment. Now, if listeners want to get in touch with you, what is your website address? Sure. It's just my name, which is Erica Keswin, K-E-S is in Sam, W-I-N.com. And they can find me, they can find information, links to both of my books. I have a monthly, I call it my monthly-ish newsletter, mostly monthly, maybe a little bit more once in a while, you know, to hear about all of these different ideas and things that are going on around creating a more human workplace. And I have a podcast also called Left to Our Own Devices. And the new season, which I'm working on now, is, is about the hybrid revolution. You know, what happens when we go back to work? Oh, that'll be very interesting. And I am going to leave the links in the show notes for your podcast, your website, and purchase your books. Thank you so much. This was great. Thanks for listening to the Think Like a CFO podcast with Melissa Houston, CPA. If you've enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. Your ratings and reviews help more people like you find our podcast. Don't forget to hit subscribe and share this episode with someone you think would love it. Until next time, I'm Melissa Houston. And remember, nobody will ever care about your business as much as you do. So never give your financial power away.